Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher. This is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with David Hauser. He's a serial entrepreneur. He's launched several companies, some of those before he began high school, and all throughout his youth into young adulthood, he has been working almost as many hours as there are in the week till he realized what a toll that it had taken on his mind, his body, his life. So he decided to innovate and start testing out a bunch of conventional wisdom when it came to diet, physical activity, sleep, and has cataloged all that and more into his new book, Unstoppable, Four Steps to Transform Your Life. In this conversation, we're going to talk all about you know how he got to where he was burnout-wise, then how he started to approach this testing phase, and And then what the testing phases looked like for each of those different aspects of life as he was figuring out what works best for him, which is why it's great that one of the things we lean into in this conversation is that what might be best for David is not best for me or for you, but you can figure that out and here's how. So I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with David Hauser. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show, David Hauser. Welcome to the show, David. Hey, Eric. Thanks for having me. You've made pretty dramatic, significant changes to your life and your lifestyle. I'd love for you to start off by painting us a picture of what life was like before and what that path was that led you to this decision to make these drastic changes. I used to work a tremendous amount. I was very unhealthy, at least 100-hour weeks, um, overweight. And this journey of writing this book was actually quite a struggle because I had to look back to times I didn't necessarily want to remember struggling with weight, so back into high school and prior. Um, so I always saw myself as that way, always struggled with it, um, and tried everything, like listened to everything I was told, like you know, eat a low-fat you know, diet, exercise a lot, right? And I took all of those to extremes, right? I cut out all red meat because that's what I was told to do. I uh, went to the extremes with exercise and ran Boston Marathon and did Ironmans, right? Like, and none of that worked for me. So it was a very frustrating experience over a, you know, 20 year period. Wow. So then how, what made you decide, okay, I've got to make changes. Like what, you know, what was that rock bottom in a sense that, that said, okay, you know what? I need to start figuring out how to be different. I think it was a combination of one frustration, right? So like after so many years of trying and trying so hard at what we were always told, which is eat less, exercise more, and it not working, just that frustration just built up. Um, and then two, as I was selling my company Grasshopper, um, I, I had more free time to think about and 
you know, kind of ruminate on these questions, right? And I started to question conventional wisdom. Um, I also started practicing yoga, so I was more present in the moment and the time. So uh, I think those things all combined together uh, to really facilitate a change over a very quick period of time. So, so kind of like a perfect storm of experiences and uh, just things that were on top of mind at the time and things that you were doing that that led to this I don't know, let's call it a possibility of entering into like a mindset change. Yeah, I think really the mindset change was like, maybe I should try things different than what I've been told from conventional wisdom, right? And that that step forward is what really changed everything. And I said, okay, like maybe these things are wrong. I don't know. Um, and we can have arguments about the right diet, the wrong diet, the right type of exercise, all these things, right? But the mindset change that facilitated everything for me was like, maybe what we're told is not right. And when you dig into the data, there's a lot of reason to believe that it is totally incorrect. Um, but the mindset of questioning it is what opened up the doors. Mm. So it wasn't so much that you sensed something was wrong per se. You just, you, you decided, what if I gave myself permission to question? <laughs> yeah. I mean, things were wrong though, right? right like, sure. For sure. <laughs> I, I mean, but besides being like overweight and struggling with it, I'd also put my body through a number of years of very intense exercises. So my knees hurt, my back hurt. I couldn't sit in the car for any extended period of time because my back hurt so much from sitting at a desk. So, you know, I've now switched to a standing desk and varying my posture and, you know, all of these good things. Right. But stuff was not good at 30 years, 32 years old or whatever age, I'm like, this is not how I want to be. <laughs> so what is the early stages of entering into that questioning and then even deciding to take action look like? Yeah. The, the first step for me was questioning diet. Um, and because I had jumped so far in just my personality of kind of extremities, right? So um, I had jumped so far into this and I was told like, you know, this is the right diet and I went like overboard on it. And I'm like, I cut back on everything. I ate low fat only. I got rid of meat, red meat. Like I was the guy at the party saying, don't eat gluten, right? Like all of these things, right? Um, and, you know, so questioning that was the first step. Um, and the second step had to happen, which is I had to stop killing myself with exercise. I had to find a better way. Um, those were the two first things. And then as I dug in, I found so many other interesting areas. When we think about mindfulness and meditation, sleep is a huge thing. Supplementation and looking at the actual blood markers and, you know, testing and, you know, what, what does gut biome mean? And all of these other things started to come from that there's so many different places we can go with all these different things that you've, you've tested. I'm curious when it comes specifically, let's start with diet. When it comes to that and you're, you're going all in on like a specific one, how do you go about doing the, let's, let's call it research your, your personal research. Yeah. So I use a combination of things, but what I found is to me most important is how my body reacts, especially to diet. Right. So um, I want to know the, the the source data. Right. Like, why is this a thing that I should try? Right. And so I, I tried a vegan diet for six months. So I looked into the diet. I understood why um, I wasn't as interested, to be quite honest with you, with like the humane factors of it, because I, I think there's a lot to be disputed there. I was interested with the health factors of it. And there is interesting data. And, and 
look into that from a data perspective. But again, the most important thing is how do I feel when I eat my eating it and giving my chance of body, my body a chance to adapt to it. That's why I did it for six months. And for me, it's not the right diet, right? It might be the right diet for someone else um, from a health perspective, but trying those things. And I was also looking for extremes, right? Like I wasn't looking for Mm. small stuff, like cut out one thing, stop eating chicken, right? Like, no, like I was looking for the farthest extreme because conventional wisdom wasn't working anymore or had never worked for me. So I wanted like literally the most extreme thing, like eat only broccoli, right? If that was a diet, I probably would have tried it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The broccoli diet. You know what? That's actually, I, I eat a lot of broccoli. Um, I love so, broccoli. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and that's one of those ones. I mean, th- you'll find that that's like it, honestly, it's like eighty percent of the vegetables. I should probably uh, that's good and bad. That ha- that has potential to be good and bad. I should say. But yeah. uh, what's funny is I say eighty percent. It's like the eighty twenty rule. It's Pareto principle, and I'm sure that factored into your testing as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm always looking for what can I get the most return for the least effort, right? And understanding that least effort doesn't mean easy. It could be very hard. It could be very difficult and it could take time, but it's still the least effort for the highest return. And those are the things I want to do first compared to the very difficult things, right? Like we could talk about like the minutia of how to optimize sleep to get an additional two minutes of deep sleep compared to going to bed at 9.30 at night, it's a pretty difficult thing to do if you haven't done it, right? And getting into that routine and whatever, but that has tremendous benefit compared to a relatively easy thing to do. Mm -hmm. Well, and I wonder, see, this is one of the things in terms of like scientific testing where you don't want to like, okay, uh, I'm going to change my diet, figure out my sleep, do more physical activity as well as, you know, maybe some meditation and, and mental um, changes as well and do them all at once because you'll get skewed <laughs> results, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult because I'm a data person. Yeah. Um, I'm also an obsessive person. So I would prefer to do everything all at once. Like, ah, oh, I'm all in, right? Um, but I also like to know the data. So I can create a routine that actually works where I'm not wasting effort. So some of those things have to be slowed down. So for example, let's talk about like testing the pillow that we sleep with, right? Like it it takes a few weeks to see if a pillow works for you. So I can't just test that quickly. And I also probably don't want to be testing, you know, taking extra magnesium during that period and mess up with the data. So that now extends what could, in my mind, I want to be a few days to a few weeks or a few months, right? Um, and those are the things that have to happen sometimes. Yeah, so much crossover or, or bleed of results into other testing could occur. So how did you decide, you know, uh, I'm going to start with this, test it, move on to the next diet? Like, did you categorize it and say, okay, I'm going to go through all the diets first and then move on to sleep? Or how did this, what yeah. did this look like <laughs> methodology-wise? Yeah, I mean, I think I naturally started with exercise because I couldn't okay. do the extreme exercise anymore. So I just stopped doing it. Right. And I'm like, okay, now let me find what's going to work for my body. Let me fix my body, like do those types of things. Right. So went from doing Ironman triathlons and hours and hours of bike riding and other stuff to practicing yoga six days a week, um, doing a 200 hour teacher training. So I was all in on that for sure. Um, I think the next easiest step for a lot of people is diet because in our society today, diet is an expected test, right? Like we've all done it to some extent. Um, so if you say to someone, I'm trying a new diet, they're like, oh, that's cool. Which one is it? Right. If you tell someone I'm experimenting with sleep, they're like, you're crazy. What are you talking about? Right. Um, so I, I always look to diet as that kind of second step or first step. And 
it does have a tremendous amount of benefit. So when I wrote this book, I didn't want to make it a diet book, but there's a lot of content about diet because it's the fuel that goes into our body that creates a lot of the things that happen. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and the amount of, I mean, I know this rivals sleep where sleep, we've got eight. If, well, let's say ideally at least eight ish around there, you know, getting enough sleep, it can rival the amount of time that we put into it. Uh, when it comes to diet, we've got not only the time that we're spent thinking about it or feeling our hunger, but also the time deciding and preparing and eating if we're not, you know, sitting down in front of a TV and scarfing something down fairly quickly. So, right. Right. Yeah. And then, then you start to factor in things like fasting, right? Like, um, you know, how, how do we reduce the amount of time that we waste on fuel and food, right? Like I still enjoy food a lot, but cutting out breakfast saves both time and money. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a very easy thing to do when you find a diet that works for you. Um, I struggled with weight on one side, but also on the other side, I struggled with always feeling hungry and I, I never, didn't feel hungry until I found the right diet for me. And for me, it's a high fat diet. And that was like a magical moment I had where I'm like, wow, like I didn't eat today and I didn't think about it. Right. Like I knew that I could not eat. Right. And just use willpower to get over it. Right. But not thinking about it and not feeling hungry was a very vast and major change. Interesting. What were, so let's stick with diet for a second. Let's kind of go through that really quickly. Like, can you give me a rundown of specifically with diet? What were some of the different diets that you tried out there? And maybe what were some of the results for each of those? And then where specifically did you land? Yeah. So obviously I tried conventional wisdom, which is a typical low fat, high carbohydrate diet, which is what we're told to eat by the government and, you know, in essence, uh, you know, processed food companies. Um, and that just didn't work, right? It's, it's high in carbohydrates, high in sugars. Um, even when we're encouraged to eat vegetables, um, they're sugary vegetables like carrots, um, lots of fruit, again, sugar, right? So we're creating this ongoing cycle that hadn't worked for me. Um, and I did that to an extreme cutting out all red meat. Um, I tried a bodybuilder's diet. So like that's in essence, just chicken breast, brown rice, and like again and again, the same thing. Mm. Um, I did lose some weight. I think it was just because I got bored of the food. So I'm like, kind of just stopped eating it. <laughs> um, but again, felt hungry all the time. Uh, and then weight, weight plateaued pretty quickly. Energy sucked. Brain fog was pretty bad. Um, stuff like that. I tried, um, a vegetarian diet. Um, I tried, um, a pescatarian diet cause I actually like fish quite a lot. That, that was actually pretty successful. Um, but again, on that type of diet, you're still open to all of the other things like eating cookies and ice cream, right? And um, I, I happen to love ice cream. Um, I did a vegan diet. That was probably one of the longer tested ones because I'm like, look, like we're hearing so much about vegan diets. Like I want to give it a chance, right? And I think the problem with a vegan diet is it gets confused with multiple factors. One is a health factor. Two is this environment and ethical factor. And I, I wish we would focus on the health factor because I think we could get more people to buy into at least the debate rather than just ignoring it, right? And for me, like that was a very easy diet to do, right? Meaning like, it's very easy, the rules. It's like <laughs> you avoid butter, you avoid all animal products and you eat anything else you want, right? But anything else you want also includes the Trader Joe's cookies that are labeled vegan 
which are literally a ball of sugar rolled up. <laughs> they taste really good, right? Um, but it's quote unquote safe on the diet. And as I started to dig in deeper and look at like my actual blood glucose levels, um, I wore a, a continuous glucose monitor a number of times now to see what my my body's actually responding to and now test a tremendous amount of blood things like fast insulin and H1B, like all of these things, right? Um, and my body was in the typical cycle that most Americans and most Western, you know, diets are, which is big spikes of blood glucose, big releases of insulin to bring the glucose down, right? And these constant ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs. And it's this cycle of craving and hunger because the body's like, I got lots of sugar. I got to get rid of it. I don't have enough. I need more. That's when I started to discover a high fat diet. So, you know, well-formulated ketogenic diet, I actually eat far more vegetables than what people assume, right? I think a lot of people confuse a high fat diet keto with carnivore yes. and I tested carnivore as well. But my plate, if you look at it, looks far more like a vegan plate than a traditional American diet, right? The traditional American diet is bread and pasta and potatoes and whatever else, a small amount of meat and a small amount of vegetables. I am a lot of vegetables, some fat and some meat. So I'm much closer to that than not. Gotcha. Well, and, and so this is probably a greatest place for us to kind of get on the same page and say that works for you may not work for me, may not work for anybody that's listening or it'll work for a certain percentage, I should say, but everybody needs to do their own testing. Yeah. Everyone needs to find what works for them, what makes them feel the best, right? Like, cause I could tell you like, A, this works for me. I think the health backs it up and whatever else, but if you don't feel great on it, your body's telling you and sending you a message saying, this is not what's for you right now. I do think that one thing that's kind of can't be disputed at this point is cutting out sugar and processed foods. Everyone should do yes. like without question, right? <laughs> that's the baseline. Like, <laughs> after that, there's lots of choices and there's lots of options, right? And I don't encourage and say like, you should never eat any carbohydrates. A, that's ridiculous because vegetables are carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. They just happen to have a tremendous amount of fiber and other good things happening with them. And once you've reset your body, you can consume far more carbohydrates than you think because we're no longer consuming the sugars and the processed foods. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic. For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting free Fridays, 
What about selling with Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond. Again, go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash beyond another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. So I know that you said you started off with the physical activity aspect of the testing. So let's go back to that. I'd love to know, like, what was your physical activity kind of regimen or whatever you want to call it? Just, you know, your lifestyle, your physical activity lifestyle prior to testing. And then what did you start testing in terms of physical activity and where did you end up? Yeah, I mean, so I'll talk about the arc a little bit where, you know, I I started to listen to people say you have to exercise more. So I started going to the gym and this is, you know, 15 years ago or more. I started going to the gym and doing cardio, right? Like that was the thing to do. I did it for 45 minutes to an hour. It doesn't have a lot of effect. Cardio actually doesn't burn very many calories. And, you know, maybe it doesn't matter how many calories we burn if we start to actually change diet as well. Um, And I did that. And I'm like, okay, this isn't working, so I have to do more, right? And it's always this constant battle. How do I do more? In high school, I lifted weights, so I added that back into my routine. Um, Yeah, I built a little bit of muscle, not a lot of change. Um, Said, okay, I got to do more. Like, what's the next thing I can do? Well, a friend of mine said, hey, um, you know, you don't run at all. Why don't you run Boston Marathon? I'm like, eh, it sounds like a fun challenge. (laughs) Um, Literally, like, never run outside, outside, you know, outside of sports, right? Like, you know, running for basketball or something, but I had never gone out for a run (laughs) ever. Um, trained for Boston marathon. Clearly I didn't qualify. So I raised uh, money for a charity, um, completed it, uh, and said, okay, like that burnt, that quote unquote burned a lot of calories. So let me do more of that. So what's more than a marathon? Well, Ironman, because you add in swimming and biking. (laughs) Um, so trained for that, did that. Um, and in, in all of that, yeah, lost a little bit of weight, but I remember, and I write about this in the book, um, doing the half Ironman in Austin, Texas. And I mean, this is tremendous amounts of training over more than a year period. And I'm there and I'm putting on the spandex bike shorts and getting ready for the thing. I'm like, why do I have fat like rolling over the bike shorts? Like this doesn't make any sense to me. (laughs) Like I've put out hundreds of hours of activity on a very regular basis. Like what, what's happening, right? Um, the, the arc then kind of went back down where not only was my body hurting, but it wasn't working tremendous output 
for very little reward or negative reward. And that's when I found yoga. I walked into a class one day and I'm like, well, you know, I, I would never be the person to be in this class. So let me try it. Like this is when I was starting to question things. Right. Um, I'm like, okay, like the first class, I'm like, this is interesting. It was more active than I thought. The class I went into it was a heated vinyasa class, um, a bunch of pushups. I'm like, this is kind of cool. Like let me, went to a second class. It was even harder um, and kind of got hooked on that and went from going zero times to literally planning my travel schedule to make sure I could be there six days a week in, in class. And I think that arc then picked back up to an extreme again. And I did a 200 hour teacher training and probably was going two days, two times a day, six days a week because of the teacher training plus the regular uh, classes in the morning. Um, and that's a routine I've kept today. And my body just feels way better. If you look at a calorie perspective, which I no longer encourage or count calories in any fashion. I think it's a tremendous waste of time and effort, but my body feels better, right? Like my back is much more open and it's not about stretching for me. It's very active. Like I practiced this morning, um, actually went early to make sure I was ready for this podcast. And, um, it was probably 50 plus pushups in an hour period, plus all of the other activity, including crunches and core strength and, you know, all the things that you would do. So it's not about stretching. Interesting. I feel like there's so many different, like with diet, there's so many different physical activity avenues that you can go down. How did you figure out where you uh, landed in terms of this is, you know, this is how I stay consistent slash what I kind of make sure I do that fits, you know, your lifestyle? I mean, to me, it's really, again, this filter of like, what do I feel the best doing? Right. And less about like, oh, this slog of going to the gym and doing cardio or the step machine. Like I want to I want to answer the question, like, do I enjoy it? One and two, when I'm done, do I feel better than when I started? Right. And if I can't say yes to those things, there's a problem. Right. Like my knees hurt when I'm done doing this. Well, maybe it's not the right thing for you to do. Right. So, for example, running could be the perfect thing for some people to do. Right. Um just not all people. I was doing at one point a couch to 5k training and I had already in my life done a 5k prior to that training time, but it'd been, you know, a couple of years I put on some more pounds and I got about three to four weeks into the training and suddenly, uh, the, the, they leveled up, you know, the, the, the amount of impact on my knees leveled up based on sure. where we were in the training. And suddenly it was like, okay, well, my, my knees do hurt, but you know, you know, quote, no pain, no gain. Right. <laughs> and couldn't be further from the truth because I realized the second time I did it, okay, this has, this is happening again. Uh, you know, iced everything and whatever. And then, uh, got to the point where I started to try the third time that week and said, no, I think I, I think I need a different path. This is not the right path. Yeah. And look, I, I encourage people to test those things out. Right. And see like, you know, maybe the knees hurt for the first week and then it, you kind of get past it. So like, I won't give up right away, but like when it happens again and again, that's when I start to question it. And I'm like, mm. Maybe there's something else, right? Maybe swimming is right. Maybe, like there's so many activities that are great. Um, and you know, when I look at like enjoyment, right? Like, do I enjoy doing it? Maybe I'll just enjoy going outside for a walk or playing with my kids outside. That can be exercise when we look at it from a big picture perspective. So in my instance right there, what would you have coached me to have done? 
I would say like on, on the second time that this has happened, I'd say, look, like let's think about why we're doing this. If you enjoy running, let's look into what's happening, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you said to me, I just love running. It clears my mind. It's the greatest thing ever. Then I'd say, okay, like let's talk to a running coach and see if it's form. Let's see if it's shoes. Let's see if, you know, what's happening from a, you know, actual physical standpoint, because there are ways to fix that. Right. And I, I dug very deep into a lot of those coaching, um, and, you know, I improved the impact on my knees. I didn't get rid of it, but I improved it. Um, and then I'd say, like, let's look at other activities. Maybe biking is a great one if you want to be outside, right? Um, has less impact. You can get in a much better position from a knee and leg perspective um, without that kind of hard hitting again and again. If it's not about being outside, maybe think about how we can do this inside on an elliptical or something like that to strengthen the muscles around the knees, and then when we're talking about physical stuff, there could be other factors that are affecting it, right? It could be posture and how you stand. It could be, you know, how you sit in a chair. It could be things that are happening on a day-to-day -day basis that are making, you know, other muscles tight, which are pulling on the knees. And I would start to look at source, like how do we figure out what's at the source happening? Interesting. Okay. Good to know. Uh, I know that you, I've, I've heard you say something along the lines that it's kind of crazy that we've gotten to this point in our culture where we feel like we have to work out, you know, <laughs> well, what do you, what do you mean by that? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean like this, this gym culture is a very new thing in the grand scheme of human evolution, right? Um, like exercising as a thing to do is just very odd, right? Um, if you look at it from a human evolution standpoint, you know, we were meant to just be outside and walk around and do things that we enjoy um, or work outside, right? And I understand that a lot of us now work inside. I'm at a computer all day. Um, so there's still ways to accomplish that being outside. But going into a gym doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Um, and I think it's just all come from this idea of eat less, burn more calories, this calorie balance myth, as I call it. And I think a lot of people have talked about this. Um, and I, I understand the science behind it. And there's a lot of reasons to question it. But most importantly, um, when I look at it at, at a big picture, like, maybe the science is right, maybe it's wrong. I believe that is it is very wrong. However, the data is very clear. We have told people to exercise more. People exercise more. We have told people to stop eating fat. People stopped eating fat. We've told people to stop eating red meat. That is lessened as well. So people have listened. And what has happened in that period of time is weight has gone up. Right. So if the science was right, then we should have saw the inverse. Right. We should have saw as a whole weight go down. Um, we've seen the opposite, uh, obesity rise, type two diabetes, heart disease, all of the problems of modern culture have risen as we've told people to exercise more and they're spending billions of dollars and hundreds of thousands of hours doing it and eating less. Right. So it's, it's really not about counting steps in the same way that it's in, with the diet. It's oh, not about steps. counting the calories. Steps. Yeah, I like those are two of the worst metrics if we're talking about measurements to look at um, steps, I think, is a good indication of are you like, are you outside doing something active like that to me is a better question than how many steps you took. Like I can fake that I can go inside and do it on a step machine and it has very little benefit. Right. Um, it, it's, it's not that helpful. And 10,000 steps is not that much activity. 
right? Which is the scary part. Um, and then counting calories is just a demoralizing, horrible experience and is tremendously difficult. Like if you're not bought into literally weighing every piece of food, because again, there's no way that I would say go eat processed foods, which have the label on the back. Right. (laughs) Um, and, and, so if you're like actually eating real food, you have to weigh it and measure it and like to actually count calories. Otherwise, you're just making numbers up and it's just a waste of time. And then it becomes this like, ah, that's too many calories. I feel bad and guilt. And like, why involve yourself in that? Yeah, it becomes this rigid lockstep structure that you're trapped inside versus, uh, hey, I just know what works for me and I already just go about it. And if I happen to eyeball it and I happen to have a little bit extra, so what? Same thing with the physical activity. Hey, I enjoy going and doing this thing. And as long as I do it consistently and I'm living my life, I'm not thinking, oh my gosh, I have to get, you know, I've got, I've got 75 more steps I've got to get in today. Like <laughs> the 75 steps going over or under really aren't going to make that big of a difference. Right. So. Right. And when you think about calories too, like the, the difficulty is that, um, it, if you are eating to satiety and you feel good and your body's good, it doesn't matter how many calories that took. And the focus on it of like, you must get this many and not over this amount. And like, it is just a very hard number for anyone to target. Right. And going over by a small amount is so easy. So let's just find the thing that works for each person's body and do that. Um, so a lot of people ask me like, you know, what, what should the government recommend? Right. Cause the government needs to make a recommendation on what to eat and we need to have some like things to base it on. Um, I really would hope that the government would make multiple recommendations and say, here's three or four options, right. That are scientifically and from a health perspective, safe and good. Um, and pick one that works for you and your lifestyle. Right. And unfortunately, what we have today should not even be one of those options <laughs> um, from a recommendation standpoint. But I think that's the right approach. Right. Is like there's probably three or four right, quote unquote, right ways that this could work that could put people in a healthy state. You mentioned sleep earlier, unlike with, you know, all the different uh, spectrum of physical activity and or diets. Like sleep doesn't have like all that many different <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm going to try the sleep you know, there's no sleep diets, in other words, the spectrum. Yeah. So how did you go about testing different things in that realm? Yeah. So I, I always considered myself to be like a, a night person, right? Like when I was working a hundred hours, um, I, I would do a lot of that work late at night, like staying up until three or 4 AM. And, and all the science is very clear that that's not healthy. Even if you try to get, you know, eight hours of sleep after that, um, the most restorative sleep from a cycle standpoint is between 9, 9 PM and 1 AM. Um, and it doesn't shift, right? Because we're on a circadian rhythm. So you can shift your sleep. But if you've missed that period of time, which is very much related to the sun and the earth and other things that are happening in our bodies, um, you don't get that restorative sleep. It's just gone, right? Um, so one was shifting my mindset and saying, like, maybe I'm not a night person. Um, and maybe I could do better in a different way. And then really understanding and grasping from a productivity standpoint, that the earlier I wake up, it's like free hours in a day, right? So like entrepreneurs always say to me, like, I need more hours in a day. I'm like, I have a magical trick for you. I will get you three more hours every day. Do you want to do it? Yeah, absolutely. I want to do it. Wake up three hours early, right? So if you're up at 5am and everyone else is up at 8am, 
you have bought yourself three productive hours. Compare that to the, the evening time, which are tremendously unproductive. And I question anyone who says that it's not. One, maybe you are working late at night. Um, I doubt that it's very productive time. We're eating bad foods to keep us awake. We're stressed out. Like It is not productive time. Uh, and most people, if you, if you really dig into the truth, they're probably just watching Netflix at night. Right. Yeah. So like, let's cut out the three hours of Netflix at night and go to bed earlier and get up three hours earlier. I've bought you three hours. And it's not only a less distraction filled three hours, it's a more focused, more energized three hours because you didn't just go go to bed at the same time and get up three hours earlier. Uh, it's it's my favorite time of day. Like there's so little distraction from phone calls and emails and other things. Most people are sleeping, right? Um, I I feel tremendously more productive, and then I enter my day on this kind of kick, right? Which is I'm starting my day three hours of productivity in and feeling great. And I do better the rest of the day because of it, rather than starting at 9 a.m. and being behind already and behind on emails and Slack notifications and seven other things and people calling me, right? Like I've already gotten a lot of stuff done and now I'm on this roll at the beginning of the day. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we can delve into, you know, different uh, ways to, you know, then once you're getting up that early, what are some of the things you can do to optimize your day once you first uh, get up? And it's going to be different for everybody. Yeah. Again, it's finding what works for you, right? Like I get up and I go through a certain routine. What I do think is is required by everyone is having a routine. Like if you talk to the most successful people in the world, everyone lives by a routine. Now the routine is not the same, right? Like my routine includes going to the gym and practicing yoga, showering at the gym, getting ready, going to like, that is part of my morning routine. Um, and only taking meetings by a certain time, um, managing my calendar very strictly, uh, all of those things that could be very different than your routine, but the most successful people without doubt have a routine, have a routine. Yeah. What about the mental side of things, your thought process, your you know, meditation, different things like that. What did you test in that realm? Yeah. So a lot of stuff here. And, um, I think my mind started to open up to this a lot during the yoga teacher training because we were talking a lot about meditation and, um, I spent a lot of time looking at the science, um, and not just, you know, kind of what we always think of meditation, but like, what are other things that get our bodies into those states? It could be heat exposure, cold exposure. Um, there's a lot of things that I think bring us to the present moment. One, which is what meditation is all about. Um, two, get us into a state of breathing, um, which is the most important part of meditation, not freeing our mind and all of these things that people pretend, um, because our mind is never free in that way. There's always distractions. There's always a sound, a feeling. Um, it's being present in the moment, understanding that and coming back to it. But breath, right? Like that to me was one of the biggest discoveries. Um, the power of breath is, is magical for when, when we think about the human body. It's, it's the only thing that we can do both consciously and unconsciously, right? So meaning without thinking, we just breathe because it's what happens, but we can bring our conscious to our breath and change it and modify it and breathe deeper. Um, and in this kind of process, what I found most interesting is most of us have just forgotten how to breathe 
deeply and properly. Like we walk around all day with our stomach sucked in so our shirt doesn't look like it's bulging out and <laughs> like all these things, right? But when we breathe deeply, our stomach should expand fully and then our chest should rise and all of the air should go in. Like taking a deep breath like that feels very odd because we don't do it often, right? And if you instruct someone through it, it's like a very different experience and sometimes a fearful experience because it feels so different. Um, and that discovery was very interesting. Interesting. For somebody who is hearing you talk about all these different aspects and all these different, you know, possible tests that they can do on themselves and figure out what works best for them to, to optimize their life. What would you say to them in terms of first action steps to develop that uh, experimentation and optimization mindset? Yeah. So I think this is a lot of the reason I wrote the book, but I had two goals. One was um, this framework, which sets this out very clearly. And the first step is this identify step, which is look at the things that are most important to you. So if there's not an immediate health issue, like the doctor has said to you, you have type two diabetes and you need to fix this immediately. Um, let's, let's look at our, what our body is telling us. Why do I get a headache every night? Why do I feel like my back is hurting? You know, stop taking the Advil and let me like actually feel the pain and understand what it's coming from. I would prioritize those things first, right? If it's brain fog, aches, pains, problems, whatever. Um, and, and I'd start there. I then look at kind of brainstorming as a whole and say, like, what is it that I could do, right? And brainstorming can include like reading articles in scientific journals and, you know, or reading the book and saying like, here's David's set of stuff that he's kind of condensed down, right? Um, and picking and choosing the ones that are most interesting. Um, and then the last one I, I think is the the most difficult, which is after we start this process, reintroducing experiments, right? Like understanding that just because switching my pillow improves sleep doesn't mean that I can't do another sleep experiment, right? And I can't improve further because it's the small improvements over time that add up. Mm. Um, so that was my second goal with the book, which is I spent way too much time, money, effort, thought, like everything on this. And most people don't have the luxury of doing that, nor do they need to. Um, so I kind of tried to condense it down and say, like, here's the top areas to think about, right? And that's what the chapters are broken down by. Uh, so you have obviously diet, exercise, sleep, meditation, mindfulness, also supplementation, so vitamins. Um, and then within each chapter, very specifically, like, I spent way too much time on this. Here are the top big return items for small effort or small cost. And those are, again, areas to think about and say, ah, I could test that. That's great. I love that you've laid that out to where, you know, some of these low hanging fruit. Again, I'll go back to Pareto principles. Some of the stuff that it's going to be, it's really small, but it has high impact that people can test out. Yeah. Perfect. Well, David, it's been awesome talking with you. I would love for you to be able to point people to where they can grab the book. Sure. Yeah. So available on Amazon, um, both pre-order and live September 17th. Um, also unstoppablebook.com. Um, lots of information there, uh, podcast interviews, television interviews, all that stuff, but also uh, a weekly email newsletter that I send out uh, to my friends, which is kind of three to five things I'm thinking about that week, reading about doing testing. Um, have gotten really great feedback on this. Uh, 
tons of people reply every week about the things they're doing as well. Um, so it's been great to engage with people. Um, so you can sign up at unstoppablebook.com for that as well. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's great to hear that this isn't like some be all end all like, look, I've arrived, but no, you're continually testing, which is great. <laughs> yeah. And I think the nice thing about um, optimization is like when you get to a certain point, you forget what you used to feel like. So you're again, striving for that next little improvement, yeah. right? And it's it's a really fun thing to do. That's awesome. Well, David, great talking with you. And I'm going to point everybody to where they can grab the book in the show notes. Thanks again for being here. Thanks, Eric. Well, that's another podcast crossed off your podcast listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with David Hauser about being unstoppable and learning how to live an optimized life. I would love for you to give feedback on this show by going to Twitter and tweeting at me at Eric with a K, the letter J, F-I-S-H-E-R. And you can tweet at David at literally at D-H. That is his Twitter handle, D-H. If, as you were listening, you thought of somebody to share this episode with, I would love for you to do that. It makes all the difference in growing the show and in me doing a better show. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you next episode.